Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. So Father, we want to thank you today for the opportunity uh, from many different locations to come with one purpose, and that is to seek you and to get to know you better. And Lord, we're just asking uh, through your Holy Spirit that you would take these words and anoint them. And Father, we're just asking that uh, you would highlight the portions of God's word for us individually, those parts that we need to hear with fresh ears and apply in our lives. So Father, we just thank you ahead of time for speaking to us, uh, for speaking to each one. And it's in your name we ask you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> We're reading Micah. Back into the Old Testament again. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. We're going to center in, though, on really verses 2 and 3. But let me read that, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Now muster yourselves in troops, daughter of troops. They've laid siege against us. With a rod, they'll smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. <clears throat> Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. And this one will be our peace. This one will be our peace. Okay, um, what I'm going to do is really center in today on Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But then I, I want to give a lot of scriptures <clears throat> that connect with that. Because really, I think uh, this whole thing is a story. Uh, it's a story of God's redemption. And to me, uh, when I overview Micah 5, and when I see it in the place of scripture as a whole, I think what we're seeing is that God has a plan for humanity. And it's a good, good plan. And for when I could see biblically, there's nothing that can stop God's plan from being carried forth and brought to pass. Satan can't stop it. Demonic powers can't stop it. What God has ordained from the beginning of creation to the end of time, it will occur. And here, I think we see just a little chunk of that in Micah 5, but I want to kind of unfold that as it goes on. God has a plan to redeem fallen mankind, uh, and it starts uh, here in Micah 5, 2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, 
too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to the ruler of Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So think about this. Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ, hundreds of years, that's a long time, Micah the prophet heard from God that a Messiah was going to be born. And specifically, God told Micah, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is in the southern part uh, of Judah, toward the bottom of Israel. And God said, hey, that's where Messiah will be born. And then he also said here that that person, the Messiah that was being born, is going to become the ruler, it says, in Israel. <laughs> in other words, I believe God is saying to Micah, this person that's going to be born, i.e. Jesus, is also going to be the king of kings who's going to rule the world in the book of Revelation. So we are also told a little bit more about the Messiah. Uh, if you see, it says here, his goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. That's basically saying that Jesus existed for eternity. Some people think, if they're new to the faith, well, when was, when, when was Jesus uh, shown to the human race? When, did, when was Jesus a reality? And they'll say, well, when he was born as a child in Bethlehem. But the Bible's very clear in uh, the book of John that Jesus was around forever and ever and ever. He was there with the Father and the Spirit before even creation occurred. So his coming forth is from eternity. And I think that's also implying uh, that Jesus is not just a person, not just a prophet, not just a king, not just a priest, but he's actually the Son of God, that he is God. So very clearly, we're being told God, in a sense, is going to be born. The second person of the Trinity will enter the world as a human being, and he will be born in Bethlehem. Some other neat things, and I'm going to kind of track down where prophecy, the Old Testament, tells us all about the Messiah. So I don't want to just look at the day and center on the birth of Jesus through prophecy. I will, I'd like us to kind of look through the whole life of Jesus, how in the Old Testament we were told so many things about who he was and what he would do. So we're told he would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, we're told, and I and you, if you want to jot some of the scriptures down, we don't have time to flip through them, but if you want to jot them down, you can actually look them up for yourself later. We're told he was born in Bethlehem, and then uh, in Isaiah 7, 14, we're told uh, that he would be born of a virgin. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, means God with us. So, okay, scriptures say, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. He'd be born of a virgin. And by the way, Matthew tells us that that Old Testament scripture in Isaiah is fulfilled. Matthew 1, 23 affirms that God fulfilled that idea of a virgin. We're also told, you know, we're talking that Jesus would be a ruler, okay? Uh, let me give you another verse here, uh, and I'm just going to read these. Again, if you want to down the road, you might look them up. In Isaiah 9 and verses 6 and 7, we're told about, again, the rulership or the kingship of Jesus. Listen to this. 
For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. There you are. He's a roar. The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government. Okay, there he is, the ruler, or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. So, okay, so Jesus is going to become a ruler. We're also told uh, where Jesus would minister. Okay, again, these are th- this is hundreds and hundreds of years. We're given details about the life of Jesus. Okay, uh, in Isaiah 9, that same chapter, we're told that Jesus' primary area of ministry would be in Galilee. Uh, let me read that. It says, Isaiah 9, 1, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And here's a neat statement about Jesus. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Guess who that is? The Lord. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Okay. Not only are we told about prophecies of Jesus where he would be born, uh, but we're also given different things about his ministry, what he would do. Uh, If you look at Isaiah, again, all this is prophecy before it comes to pass. Uh, Isaiah 61, 1, here's the story of Jesus. The spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 19, affirms that Old Testament prophecy. So what we're seeing here, step by step by step, God is saying in the Old Testament, he's pointing and saying, I'm just going to let you know. Down the road, all these things are going to happen. I'm sending a Messiah. He'll be born in Bethlehem. He'll be a virgin. His primary ministry will be in Galilee. And when he does it, he's going to proclaim liberty to the captives. But it goes on even a little bit further. Uh, not only does it tell us prophecies about his birth and his life, but also we have prophecies about his coming death when he comes. Uh, in Zechariah 9, 9, we're told that Jesus will ride in Jerusalem on what? A donkey. That's predicted way back in Zechariah. We're told uh, about Judas that he would betray Jesus. Psalm 41, 9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. We're told that Judas would betray Jesus for a specific amount of money. In Zechariah 11, 12, we're told uh, that they weighed out for me 30 shekels of silver as my wages. Even the details, what's amazing, uh, we're also told very clearly details about Jesus and his suffering. Psalm 22, listen to these words. Remember Jesus is on the cross and he says these words. Psalm 22, 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. And then, again, hundreds of years before the death of Jesus on the cross, 
the prophets and also the psalmist say what that's going to look like. Look at this, uh, Psalm 22, 11. Be not far from me, for trouble's near, for there is none to help me. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Basham have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravaging and roaring lion. So Jesus on the cross and people are surrounding him. They're making fun of him. They're cursing him. Okay. Uh, 22, 14. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. Guess what? When you're crucified, your bones are out of joint. And it's predicted specifically how Jesus is going to die. All my bones, it says, are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. And thou dost lay me in the dust of death. Again, Jesus asked for something to drink when he's on the cross. Okay, he's dehydrated from the beatings and from the crucifixion. Verse 16, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. Okay, the Jewish leaders. But listen how specifically the prophecies go. Uh, Psalm 22, 16. They pierced my hands and my feet. Do you want anything more clear? Anything more specific? Very clearly, God told the psalmist, guess what? This is the way Messiah and Jesus is going to die. He said, I can count all my bones. Guess what? As Jesus is on the cross, he's looking down. He can literally look at his body and his bones, his chest. They look, they stare at me. And here again, prophecy. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And that's exactly what I, they did. It's amazing. God says, I want you to know I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. I'm telling you what's going to happen. And there's nothing, but nothing can stop it. God is laying out his plan. And if he begins it, he's going to continue to finish it. In Isaiah chapter 53, God gave to Isaiah, again, why Jesus is on the cross. What's the point? Again, prophecy. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. Pierced through. Guess what? That's crucifixion. He was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. Chastening. He was beaten raw with his back, with whips. By his scourging, we're healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has caused the iniquity of us to fall on him. Blow by blow by blow by blow. Not only do the prophets tell us and the psalmist where he would be born, not only does it tell us the ministry of Jesus, not only does it tell us the death of Jesus, it also tells us that he'll be resurrected. Psalm 16:10. Thou wilt not abandon my soul to Sheol, neither wilt thou allow thy holy one to undergo decay. So what I'm hearing as a kickoff from Micah 5 with the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, all the way through, what I hear God shouting is. I'm in control. I'm in control. I'm working my plan, and I'm letting you know my plan before it even happens. So you know, this is not an accident. It's not a coincidence. I am orchestrating my salvation plan for mankind, and nothing and nobody can stop it. So it's amazing. It's showing the sovereignty of God, these prophecies, but it's also showing 
that the Bible is an inspired book, not just in the prophecy of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, but it's showing, if that's right, that the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is an inspiration of God Almighty. Now, if you go back where we are in Micah, and Micah, again, 5, it's kind of a beautiful thing here. In Micah 5, 4, it says this, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. He will shepherd his flock. The Messiah, this is again talking, projecting about Jesus, saying that Jesus would be like a shepherd. Okay, that clicks into me, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, it's saying Jesus, because John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So when you look at Psalm 23 and put John, to the, John 10 together, it's referring to Jesus, that he has a shepherd's heart for each of us on the screen. We need a shepherd, folks, because first we're like sheep, and sheep are not too swift because they're stupid, they're dumb, they're defenseless, and they're helpless. And apart from Christ, guess what? We are like sheep, and we are in a bad way unless we have a good shepherd. The purpose of a shepherd for sheep is to supply all their needs, okay? The shepherd provides the physical needs, okay? The green pasture, the water for the sheep. The shepherd provides the emotional needs because the, the sheep at, at places can get spooked and the shepherd has to kind of calm them down. It's okay. Uh, we've got it covered and they can calm down and, and eat and sleep. The shepherd also leads them and guides them to new pastures and the shepherd protects them from predators and from dark valleys for bandits that might be there. But even more important than the Old Testament shepherd is Jesus, is the New Testament shepherd. And I believe he wants to meet our basic needs, our physical needs for food, clothing, housing, water. So the good shepherd, Jesus, wants to meet, I believe, our basic physical needs. He also wants to meet our emotional needs. He wants to restore our souls. Well, you want to see that happen, folks, just check out what happened in the Freedom Weekend. Talking about souls that have been damaged and hurt from childhood, from guilt, from shame, from fear, from anxiety, from pride. Uh, just a, it's a beautiful thing to see how God restores souls. And I think we need to be restored. I, I know there's times you just get worn out. You're just playing push it and push it and push it and you drop and you're emotionally tired, you're mentally tired, physically tired, spiritually tired, and you just need to get back in the arms of the shepherd. So I don't know, maybe you're there today. I don't know if you need restoration, if you're just shot. And I think we have to be very careful, and I'm preaching to me in the Christmas season, which is such a beautiful season. We can get so busy doing so many things that we think we need to get done that we miss the whole beauty of what Christmas is about because we're running around dashing here, there, and everywhere and we're exhausted, I think we have to just carve about just certain time just to be still and say, okay, God, let me ponder the real reason of why we're doing Christmas. So Jesus 
bonds. He meets our physical needs, our emotional needs, restoring our soul. He leads us and guides us. We're probably making thousands of decisions in a lifetime. Think about it. All the time, day after day, we make decisions. Do I do this? Don't I do this? Do I go here? Do I do this? We're, we're constantly needing guidance, and God does that. And also, Jesus is the good shepherd, wants to protect us from the attacks and the onslaughts of the devil. So uh, I just want to make it very clear. When Jesus says, I'm a good shepherd, he means exactly that. Uh, it, he means very clearly uh, that he's for us, that he's not against us. Let me give you a contrast here. This is kind of neat. If you look at Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, again, I'm just going to read these. You can jot down, look at these. Ezekiel 34, 1 to 6. Ezekiel talks about what a bad shepherd is. And some of the Jewish leaders were bad shepherds. They weren't taking care of the people or the sheep. They were ignoring them. Listen to this. Uh, Son of man, prophesies against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should you not feed the flock? You eat the fat and you clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you're not strengthened. The diseased, you've not healed. The broken, you've not bound up. The scattered, you've not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you've dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for every beast of the field, and they were scattered. And he goes on just saying about these terrible shepherds. But then there's a contrast about good shepherds. And the good shepherd we're really ultimately talking about here, again, is Jesus. Now listen to this. Ezekiel 34, 11. For thus says the Lord, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day, when he's among his scattered sheep, so I will care, get that, I will care for my sheep. That's you, folks. Okay? I think we need to hear it. The good shepherd, Jesus, says, I want to care for my sheep. And he's saying that to each of us. We're the sheep, okay? I'll care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on the cloudy and gloomy day. In verse 15 and 16, he says this, I'll feed my flock. I'll lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I'll seek the lost. I'll bring back the scattered. I'll bind up the broken. I'll strengthen the sick. Okay. So, number one, the good shepherd, Jesus said, guess what he said? I'll lead them to rest. Who of us doesn't want rest? Right? I mean, again, as I said, we can run here, do this, and we're breathless, and we're panning, and we're getting worn out. I think deep down, we want this rest. We want this sense of peace in us. Uh, Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And what did he say? This is uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I will give you rest. I just, I just can hear Jesus saying down through the sunshine, stop running around like goofballs here and there, but slow down, come to me sit in my presence, be quiet, and just let me be with you, and I will give you rest. He said the good shepherd will give rest. He says he'll seek the lost. It's amazing. When you look at Jesus, all through his ministry, he sought the lost, okay? He saw tax gatherers, fishermen, hardened Pharisees, prostitutes. He sought them. <laughs> 
And the amazing thing is he tells uh, in Luke 19, he says he's like a shepherd. He leaves the 99 that are okay, and he goes after the lost sheep. And what's really cool to me is you and I were that lost sheep at one point. And God literally pursued us. And I believe that from the day we began to take our first breath, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were pursuing us for a relationship. They were knocking at the door of our lives saying, hey, let me in. I want a relationship with you. And sometimes we ignored them. Uh, sometimes we just kept on pushing, doing our own deal. But God kept knocking. And I think if you folks are on the screen, I believe, you know, somewhere along the way, you heard the knock and said, okay, Lord, you pursued me. Thank you. You found me. So this good shepherd, Jesus, will give rest to us. He'll seek us out. And the beautiful thing is this, he, he will bind up the broken. Well, guess what? We all get broken at times, right? Sometimes we need to be bound up. We need to be put back together again when we fall apart. And Jesus says, guess what? I will bind you up. And it even says he'll strengthen the sick. And Jesus did that when we walked the earth. The blind, he gave eyes to see. The deaf, he allowed them to heal. The lepers, he touched them. The lame, he caused them to walk. And I believe God still wants to bring healing. I don't understand all the answers of healing. But I can't help as I study the Gospels, but believe that Jesus is concerned not just about our spirits, not just about our souls, but he's concerned about our physical frame. And I think it's surely legitimate to go to him in prayer and say, Lord, my body is having an issue. Would you please be with me, help me, and touch me? So Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd by his words, and you can see them in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He's the good shepherd by his deeds. He's going about doing good, touching people, liberating people. But I think the ultimate sign of his goodness is displayed in the deed of dying on a cross for us. There is the ultimate epitome of the good shepherd. John 10, 11, he said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I think, you know, even at Christmas, we think of the birth, but the whole point of the birth is to get him to the cross so he can actually die for your sins and mine. And he said here, the good shepherd lays down his life. So even at Christmas, I think we need to remember why was he born? What's the point? He is born to take away our sins so that we could be reunited to God and have this intimate walk and fellowship with him here on the planet, and then ultimately to be with him in heaven. The good shepherd, it says, goes a little further here uh, in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this. If you need to ponder the love of Jesus, ponder the cross. <laughs> he says, there's no greater love that a human being can give than to actually give their very life for somebody else. And he did it. So I think as we look at Micah and it says, Jesus is like a shepherd. I think God is shouting, literally shouting through the pages of the Bible. 
shouting because it's so hard for us to get it sometimes that he has to repeat himself over and over and over with exclamation marks. And I think God is saying, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I am for you. I believe Jesus wants to seek us out when we wander. Right? We've all wandered. If you remember Adam and Eve messed up, they hid. And what did God do? He sought them out. He said, Adam and Eve, where are you? And I think when we wander, God, the Holy Spirit is so faithful because as we wander, he knocks at the door and says, come back. Come on. You've strayed. You've wandered. You've got away from me. You've got away from the scriptures. You've got away from church. You've got away from relationship. Come on back. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd wants to bring liberty where there's bondages in your life and mine. I believe very clearly, as we saw at the Freedom Weekend, that God wants to break bondages. And I hope we can get that and believe that. I don't know. If there's a bondage in your life, remember, Jesus is bigger than the bondage. And let me say it again. Jesus is bigger than any chains that bind you. He is bigger. Jesus, as the good shepherd, wants to bring healing where there's brokenness in your life. Where's the brokenness? That might be something we can think about as we get off uh, from this study in a little bit. Where's, where's the brokenness in your life? Jesus very clearly tells us that he wants to heal the brokenness. He wants to put his hands on our brokenness and make us whole. I believe Jesus wants to pick us up and carry us when life is too overwhelming. You ever been there? You're just plain done, and you don't think you can go one step more. And I think that's when Jesus says, okay, I'll pick you up. I'll carry you. You probably remember the footprints, that little track that went out many years ago where a person was going through a really hard time, and they saw this set of footprints, and they they saw Jesus. Uh, and they saw a set of prints, footprints that represented themselves. There's four prints. And then at certain points, instead of four prints, there's only two. And that little track was saying, basically, the person said, well, God, when, I, when I'm going through the hard times, I can't see my tracks. I, I just see one set. It just seems like I'm all by myself here. Where'd you go? And that's where the Lord said to him, well, you know, when you only see one set of tracks, it's not like I disappeared. I'm carrying you at that point. And sometimes we just plain need to be carried when life is overwhelming. I believe the good shepherd, Jesus, wants to guide us and lead us as we have to make decisions on a daily basis. Again, it all goes back to Psalm 23. David said it all. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the question I have to ask myself and I have to ask you is, can we say that? You know, we can repeat that psalm, memorize that psalm. But do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? The Lord. The word Lord there is the one that Moses said, I am. So you could translate it, I am is my shepherd. David said, God, who made the universe, 
is my shepherd who cares for me. And David was so sure of who God was that he said, I shall not want. I know beyond a shadow of God, a shadow of death, God's going to meet my needs. And there's a challenge, I think, for each of us. I really believe if we could get Psalm 23.1, you don't need much more. That's the whole ball game. the Bible in one verse. God says, I'm a shepherd. My job is to take care. Your job is to trust me and follow me. That's it. Period. Nutshell. And if we really buy that the Lord is the good shepherd, I think we can say like David, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We have the assurance because he's good that as I walk into the future, I know he'll be consistent with who he is in the Bible and consistent with what he's done in my life. Surely. He's not saying maybe, hopefully. He said, no, surely. I know goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. He knows that. He knows that. Uh, and the neat thing here in <clears throat> Micah 5, it says, he'll shepherd his flock, and he will be great to the ends of the earth. Jesus was great when he walked the planet, great in his teachings, great in his healings, great in his miracles. <laughs> great in his resurrection. But the Bible is very clear that we've not seen the full greatness of Jesus. Because it says in Philippians 2.10, there's coming a day when every knee on the planet will bow. Every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's going to happen when he comes back. And friends, to tie this up, that's the good news. The good news is the Bible very clearly predicted Jesus would be born. He'd be born in Bethlehem. It predicted where he'd do ministry. It predicted that he would die on a cross. It predicted he would rise again. And guess what? It clearly predicts way in the Old Testament. Jesus predicted it in his ministry. The book of Revelation predicts it. He's coming again. So what an amazing hope we have at Christmas. It's a hope not just for the present day, which Pastor Brennan, I think, is trying to say, hey, Jesus offers hope now. What's the hope? It's an abundant life. Jesus is the shepherd, and because of his salvation, he's going to take care of me, his sheep. That's good news. But good news is also there's coming a day where there's going to be a new heavens and there's going to be a new earth. And there's coming a day in heaven where we will see God face to face. And in that place, we're going to know perfect joy, perfect peace, and perfect love. So we have an amazing faith. And it would be my prayer for each of us that this Christmas we would see Jesus in a clear fashion, who he is, what he's done. And that we would also have a passion to share this good news with other people because the world's hurting. There's a lot of darkness. They need light. And Jesus said, guess what, church? You're the light of the world. Take the good news and share it so lives can be changed. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this kickstart verse in Micah 5. You predicted about your son's birth in Bethlehem. But Lord, we just thank you for this overview that it wasn't just a prediction of his birth. You predicted so many things 
about the life of your son before they happened. So, Lord, we thank you. You are sovereign. You're in control of history. And you're working it to a culmination where you're going to come back and you will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But, Lord, I think what's exciting is I'm thinking of this in prayer. Not only do you have a plan for the nations, but you have a plan for each life on this screen. And it's a unique plan. It's a perfect plan. It's a good plan. And I just pray, Lord, uh, that you would be each with each of my brothers and sisters. Lord, just day by day, work that. You just show them, Lord, your love. Grow them deep in the faith. And Lord, continue to use each of us to be a bright light in a dark world. Lord, we just thank you that you're the amazing shepherd. Help us to know you more. And I just pray, Lord, uh, that we could say for the depths of our being, and we know it, not just intellectually, but in our guts and in our spirits, to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, not a shepherd. He's my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, my personal shepherd, my personal friend, I shall not want. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Be with my brothers and sisters today. And it's in your holy name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, folks. God bless you all. Follow the shepherd. He's got a good plan for you. Amen.